as a church, we're going through the book Redefined by Arden Bevere. If you haven't uh, picked up a copy yet, we do still have some available. Uh, Pastor Tom and Heather shared a message to uh, have done a great job in getting uh, the ideas of the book and presenting them uh, on Sunday morning. But there's so much more in the chapter. So I would encourage you, if you haven't picked up one yet or read it along with us, I strongly recommend that. And uh, today we are in chapter 8. And the title of the chapter is Addicted, because the world has labeled us an addicted generation. But God has a different word for us. He speaks a different word. We are not an addicted generation, but we are a fighting generation. So that's what we'll be talking about this morning. And at the beginning of every single chapter, Arden puts a quote. And this week, uh, the quote stood out to me. The author is unknown, maybe why it stood out, because unknown is always good. Uh, The quote says, you can't change what you refuse to confront. And so today as we talk about addiction, if right away you're like, oh man, I'm I'm not really addicted to anything, or I've never really been addicted to anything, that's just not... Uh, one of my thorns in my flesh. If you don't automatically relate to that, I would encourage you to just hang in there. Uh, Today as we learn and talk about how to be a fighting people, this can be applied in the midst of addiction, but also just in the midst of living life as a believer. And so um, sometimes when we start to talk about addiction, if that is something that we struggle with or have struggled with in the past, Maybe it's something that we were free from for a little while and fell back into it. Uh, It can feel overwhelming or maybe even start to bring up some fearful, even shameful feelings within us. So I wanted to open up uh, today with a scripture from Zechariah. And uh, God gives Zechariah this super awesome vision, and he has no idea what it means, which that is also an encouragement for us. If you ever get a vision and you don't know, like, wow, I have no idea what that means, just ask God, and he'll probably let you know because he's just a good dad. (laughs) But that's what happened. And so we'll read the scripture when Zechariah said, what does this mean? The angel said, this is a vision for Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, I think I'm pronouncing that right, was actually a leader at the time in Jerusalem who was going to have to rebuild this giant temple, a giant feat, And uh, this is what the scripture says. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So as we go through this today, may we remember it is never going to be by our strength or by our might or by our power. As we learn to be a fighting people, it is always the Lord's strength. So the definition that Arden gives us in the chapter of addicted says, it is, uh, addiction is exhibiting a compulsive or chronic physiological or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity. To be addicted to something means to have a deep, need, whether physical or mental, to ingest something, something that completely controls you. 
he also mentioned sometimes we just throw that word out. Oh, man, I'm just so addicted to scrolling on Facebook. Uh, just because we speak that out, that doesn't necessarily mean it's one of those things, uh, a deep need. So we want to also be careful of labeling things as an addiction that maybe God just wants us to cut back on a little bit. <laughs> I actually wanted to share just a very small portion of my own testimony. A lot of you guys know, and for those of you that don't know, God has set me completely free from drug addiction. But uh, for a lot of my life, starting at the age of 14, I was a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict. And I lived to use drugs. I didn't know the Lord. My life was extremely sinful and so super broken. And going through that personal experience of addiction, I felt a feeling that is really hard to understand unless you've actually walked through it or experienced it. The feeling of not wanting to do something, but still doing it anyways. There were so many times I didn't want to do drugs or I just, it, it just had to be finished, but yet I couldn't stop. And so I actually brought my journal uh, from that time. I would love to say I journal every day all the time. That's something I want to do, but God, please help me keep journaling. <laughs> For some reason, he enabled me to keep a journal for about the six months prior to when he set me free. In December of 2011, I gave my life to the Lord after reading a Facebook post. It was the sinner's prayer written out, and as I read it, I just knew that I received Jesus' sacrifice, that I was a wretched sinner, and that there was no way I could live apart from him. But I didn't get radically set free from drugs. I had a, a momentarily momentary lapse in using, and in that time I got baptized, which was just my personal demonstration to the church. Yes, I want to live for Jesus, but I was still so enslaved by the need to use drugs. And so I was baptized in February, and this is my journal entry from April 22nd of 2012. Wowzers, where do I begin? I started, dr I started doing drugs again yesterday which obviously means I haven't slept. Huge sigh. This cycle has just got to stop, not because it's terrible or because I don't like it or even because it's illegal. It must stop because it is not Christ-like. How can I live a life full of God's grace while under the influence of drugs? It's just that simple. I cannot. Church was absolutely amazing today. I was kind of embarrassed to go super high. But I knew God didn't really care. I'm so grateful to have such an amazing God. And Jesus, who really is God in human form, it's super confusing. I can't explain it more than that. Thank you so much, Jesus. I'm forever indebted to you. Which, the conclusion is, why I must stop using. Enough is enough. I didn't get sober uh, until the Lord set me free on June 28th. Several months after that, um, and uh, today, looking back, it's like, wow, God, when you say you make us a brand new creation, when you say that you build our testimony, when you say that there is no power whatsoever in the, in the past, that it can't even leave a remnant in us, I, he's showed me, like, you are a walking testimony of that. Nothing from our past can hold us in, enslaved, chained, 
There doesn't always have to be a little piece of what we went through because Jesus came to set us completely free. So uh, I really just, in, not enjoyed, because it made me really sad remembering how broken I felt and how far apart from the Father I was during those months. But it was a great reminder of wanting to be set free, yet feeling so trapped. And so sometimes, if we're feeling neglected or fearful, fearful or pressured, sometimes those feelings can lead us into addiction and our brain switches into survival mode. This is something Arden talks about in his chapter. And while we're in survival mode, we experience this thing called fight or flight. And uh, it's important to remember, even if we're not struggling with addiction or that's not what it looks like in our lives at this time, we can still be caught in survival mode um, with a sin issue or maybe a lack of identity. When we are in survival mode, we are super selfish. And we're just worried about preserving ourselves, self-sufficiency. How can I be okay? What do I need to do to just make it through? God wants to totally set us free from that. And so we are going to read a few scriptures. Uh, first, Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And the final scripture here uh, is an amazing prayer we find in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. God wants to teach us something different. He wants to teach us not to just follow in the natural things that our brain wants to take us to, but to live totally free. And in order to do that, like Ephesians 4 says, we have to throw off our old selves and our old ways of thinking. So part of that is acknowledging that maybe I don't think right. <laughs> maybe something that I believe or have believed my whole entire life might need fixing. God, if there's anything in me that is not totally you, show me those things. Psalm 139 talks about that. Search our hearts, God, show us. Show us and uh, create in us a clean heart. Something that only God can do for sure. See, when we're plagued with addiction or even just caught in survival mode, reading verses like that can be far from encouraging. It can actually almost feel like, okay, so I know that that's in the Bible, and in theory, it sounds really good, but that's impossible. That feels unattainable. And I know, I know there's also a scripture that says, with God, all things are possible. But even, that's so hard to believe when you're caught in the throes of an addiction or a sin issue 
or a lack of identity. When we are stuck in bondage, a bondage so often that we've created, it's hard to see any other way. Addiction and being in survival mode can be so incredibly isolating. It feels like nobody really knows what we're going through or sometimes we're just trapped in so much shame. We might know there's things in our lives that we're doing that we need to stop doing, but we found that we can't, and because of that, we have shame. We might even believe, like, I know that God could help me with this, but it's just like nothing's changing. And so we have these negative thoughts, and we agree with those negative thoughts, which can create a stronghold. And as I was talking uh, to a friend this week, one moment, water break. I was talking to a friend this week, and uh, they just, we were talking about strongholds, and they painted a picture that a stronghold is like a rut. And I don't know if anybody does really well with word pictures, but when I think stronghold, I'm like, what does that even mean? I recognize and understand that it's something that maybe I'm trapped in or it's something that makes me feel stuck. But really, what is a stronghold? And so this picture of in our brain, a rut. As I'm setting out to maybe work on something new, God showed me that I was addicted to something. God showed me that I was trapped in this negative way of thinking. And I agreed that 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 needs healing, and we set out. God, help me with this. And I start on this path, and then I fall into the rut. And it's like I can't gain momentum. I can't find freedom. I keep hitting this rut. I keep hitting this rut. A stronghold, something that keeps us trapped and enslaved because we agree with something that isn't true. Or there's something in our lives that has not been healed yet by the blood of Jesus. And so as I was having this just in my mind, this picture of a rut in our minds, these strongholds that so many of us are plagued with, I just started praying that God would begin to feel to fill all the ruts, all the strongholds in our lives with the blood of Jesus that can set us completely free and provide every type of healing that we need, and also the power of the Holy Spirit. Because these strongholds are not something that we can break away from. Learning to be a fighting people, like we read the very first scripture, is never going to be by our might or our strength. It's only going to be by the power of God and the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you recognize, if God shows you that you have a stronghold in your life, just begin to pray. Because it's only something that he can break. And I promise you, our God is the best dad ever. And he wants to set us completely free and bring total healing to every single nook and cranny of our minds so that we can just be with him. Uh, I think Christy mentioned it in worship. It's all about being reconciled to the Father. It's not about figuring out anything. It's not even about doing the right thing or being obedient. It's about being in communion and perfect relationship with the Father. And it's something that he does for us. He's made a way. Even thinking, you know, Holy Week and, and Easter and Jesus and all that was accomplished, God did everything. He did everything. And uh, he reminded me of this scripture. And I've always just thought about 
uh, when thinking of this scripture that it had to do with tithing or money, but it can, God also kind of revealed to me that as Jesus talked about this widow and her offering, I don't have the, the scripture up on the screen, but God just wants all that we have. And sometimes we don't have anything. Sometimes we have but two pennies or even one or even half a penny or even maybe no pennies. God just wants everything that we have. So Mark 12, uh, Jesus was talking. He sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came up and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And Jesus just taught his disciples in that moment. It never is the amount that we give. It's never, it's never anything except what we can and, and he's just so gracious and, and understanding. He's so good. We can continue to uh, talk about addictions. There's so many different addictions, different types of addictions. Porn addiction, which the statistics, even within the church, are devastating and, and heartbreaking. Uh, addictions to social media, money, food, work, just to name a few. We could break those all down, talk about what they look like. But instead... We're going to spend the rest of our time together talking about how we can fight. Because no matter what the addiction looks like, no matter how it's manifested in your life or how, uh, how it looks, the solution is the same. And so that's what we're going to focus on. And uh, we're going to read a quote from, from Arden in the book. Uh, he says, I can't say this strongly enough, though. God has not called us to flight, but to fight. There is no obstacle, no stressful situation, no trauma, no problem, no inner demons too great for him to overcome. If we can grow in our faith in him, we can learn to stand our ground and fight. We fight addiction. We fight unhealthy cravings. We fight to control our thoughts. We fight to overcome temptations. We fight to rule our feelings and passions. We fight against whatever tries to control us. We fight to overcome stress, pressure, and tension. We fight to be strong, mature, balanced children of God. We do not have to be an addicted generation. We can be a fighting generation. We can be a courageous, committed, tenacious group of people who know our identity and refuse to back down or give in. Hallelujah. Do we believe that, church? Can we be that? Can we be that? God has made a way for us. God has made a way. He has called us to fight for ourselves. And sometimes fighting for ourselves that sounds a lot like self-preservation. <laughs> that sounds a lot like self-sufficiency. What do you mean fight for ourselves? But in this, uh, in this whole series, this whole book, we've talked so much about identity and, and knowing our identity and accepting our identity, the identity that Christ Jesus gave to us. 
that God created us in his image. And a lot of us are finding out in some ways, though we know that that's true, we've heard the information before, we've even read the scripture, we don't always fully accept it. Or there's parts of it that we haven't believed over our own lives. Just because of how, um, how the cards have been dealt or how certain situations or circumstances have occurred in our lives. We're finding these holes in our identity and God is removing that from the church. God is bringing us fully into our identity and he is showing every single part that is broken or not fully understood because as he redefines us, we will know our complete identities, not just know it, but walk them out. And why is it important even to know who we are in Christ, to know our identity, to walk in our identity? Why would that be important? Because when we know who we truly are, <laughs> we know that we can't do anything <laughs> apart from the help of our Father. We know that we can't be any addiction. We know that we can't have any hope when a, a situation looks hopeless. We know that a mountain can't be moved unless God moves it. We know that we can't get strong enough at the gym or strong enough in our study or strong enough as we fight for a relationship without the hand of God all over it. Our identity, instead of making us stronger, it makes us more like, wow, this is awesome. I can't do anything apart from God. And what it does is it humbles us in a way that gives God room to move in our lives, to display his glory and his power in us and through us. We have to know and believe that Jesus actually died for us, that God's freedom really is available. We can talk about how, how Jesus died on the cross. We can watch the movies, especially this week. There's so many uh, on TV and, and just a lot of conversations happening about it. We can know that it happened, but have we received it in our own life, the gratitude of what Jesus set us free from? All of our sin, how just every single bit that he was marred, that was for us. And I think over the years as we're just in the church and we hear this over and over and over, it gets watered down a little bit. It becomes kind of the norm, like, yep, Jesus died for us, and he died for you too. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. If I had an hour to preach this morning or two hours, we'd probably just cry together right now for an hour. Because he, all of that that he went through was for us. It's unbelievable. And before that, like we talk about, we were not made right with God yet. At that time, we were God's total, complete enemies, totally. There was no sacrifice that was made. And yet he still shed every single drop of his blood for us. It's just unbelievable. If you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, but you know that it could maybe be or that you know that that's a thing, the Bible verse that comes to, to mind is uh, so short. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Because it can be a stronghold also that maybe we, don't maybe we feel like we don't deserve to be forgiven 
by the Son of God. Maybe we, we don't feel like we deserve to be in relationship with God. I can tell you, living a life of full-blown drug addiction in the throes of every single type of sin imaginable, I did not, <laughs> did not deserve relationship with the Father. God, holy, perfect, did not deserve it. No, nothing. But we were created to be in relationship with us. We will never deserve it. When we get saved and our lives look a little bit morally better and we start to uh, clean things up and maybe start lying a little bit less, I still don't deserve it. What about if we stop lying altogether and God frees us from addiction and we start to walk in freedom? Still don't deserve it. It is by his stripes alone that we are healed. It is by his blood that we were set free. It will never, ever, ever, no matter how long we walk with the Father, no matter how close our relationship uh, gets with him, it will never make it so that we deserve it. It is a free gift that he's lavished upon us. And I just pray over all of us and, and just declare that we will always know we're never going to be enough. We're never going to deserve everything that Jesus did for us, ever. So important to remember, to stay in that humble place, to know that apart from the Father, we are nothing. Do we believe what Ephesians 1 says is true? Ephesians 1 talks so much about identity. Uh, we have uh, a few of the verses, verses 3 through 7 here. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ, not because we deserve it. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And to insert really quick, God is all-knowing. When God chose us and decided to adopt us into his family, he saw the year 2021. He saw the 90s. He saw the 70s. He saw everything that, that we've gone through, all the choices that we made, all the days that we would spend apart from him and gripped and marred by sin. He saw all of that. And even still, in advance, whew, this is a good word, Christina. <laughs> Thanks, Holy Spirit. He's just so cool. Even before all of that, knowing it all, he still, in advance, chose to adopt us. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us for our sins. If you don't believe that Jesus died for you or that these other truths in Ephesians 1 are for you, this is your starting place. Ask God for help. Again, we're never going to figure out how to receive the sacrifice that Jesus made or forgive, uh, figure out how to receive his forgiveness. But he can help us. 
those of us struggling right now with an addiction, a sin issue, uh, or even just a lack of identity, there's so many wild thoughts that we have. I'm just not good enough. I'm never actually going to be able to change. I've been working on this for decades, and it's not going away. Maybe this is just a thorn in my flesh that I just have to accept. We have so many thoughts. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is a way that we can fight with God's help We have to recognize as those thoughts come in, I'm never going to be good enough. Hey, that's a lie. What does God say about me? Heather in ministry moments totally just covered this. What does God say about me instead? If you don't know what God says about it, about these types of things, his, his scripture, the Bible, is full of what God says about you. Uh, Ask a friend, ask a pastor. That's why he has us in community. If we don't know what God says about us, let's learn together. Maybe God revealed something super cool to you that he hasn't revealed to me yet. Something that he's, he's spoken over you. That's why we're in community. That's why we're a part of the body of Christ. Not just Restoration Church, but the full body. As God gives you those revelations of who you are and encourages you with those words, don't, don't keep them to yourself. Don't hide them under a rock. We are meant and called to be a light like a city on top of a hill shining, shouting from the rooftops the truths of God as he reveals them. So share, share those things. Let them be an encouragement to you, to somebody else. How do we know what needs to be taken captive and cast down? Well, Philippians 4.8 gives us some great direction. I can't remember if I put it up. I don't think I did. But Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if your thought is not one of those things, I have this scripture written out and right by my computer at work. (laughs) So if I'm having a thought that is maybe plaguing me or kind of weird, I ask, is it true? Is this honorable? Is this worthy of praise to the Father? And and go through the whole list. If that's a no, God, get this out of here. I right now choose to cast down that imagination. And I will take that thought captive and flood it with truth. God, I just declare that you're good. Sometimes we can speak out something opposite or or even a scripture that Holy Spirit brings to mind. But if those things don't happen and we don't really know what to do, God's word isn't void. Just say the one single verse that you know. Open the Bible. Start reading scripture. If nothing else, if you don't have access to any of that because you're swimming in a swimming pool or something, just declare that God is good. Sing praises above the water because you might choke. That would be really dangerous. But praise God because he inhabits the praises of his people. If, if you don't have access to your Bible or your phone or a friend or any of that, 
or you're just not feeling anything else, praise God because there, there's so much power in praise and there's so much power in the name of Jesus. First, um, Timothy 6.12 talks about fighting. It's important also to fight for your relationship with God. It's a fight. Though God's made a way for us to be back in relationship with him, we can compare this to like a, per, uh, a marriage, um, a husband and a wife. Though you guys uh, took vows, you love each other, you still have to work through that. If there's a disagreement or you feel separated, there's work that has to be done. You're not just married in best relationship ever. I mean, maybe for some of you guys. But from what I've heard, that's often not the case. And so, <laughs> so we have to fight for our relationship with God in the same way. God never, ever, ever leaves us. Never. But we can start to feel a little distant from him in the same way that maybe we can feel distant from our spouse. We have to fight for that. And First Timothy says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. God warns us not to be double-minded. We have to fight this good fight of faith. We have to remember that God is so with us, that his presence is among us right now in this place because it's Sunday and we're at church or we're at home watching. But he's also with us tomorrow when we wake up. And Wednesday, when we're kind of tired because it's the middle of the week, God is totally there. And on Thursday, when, oh, that one thing happened again, he is fully there. Saturday, when we get in a fight with that same person again, God's still there because God is faithful. And though we can't trust in our own estimations and in our own abilities and in, in ourselves in any way, we can trust that he is faithful. We can trust that he is unchanging because he told us that he is. And we believe him. And if we don't believe him just yet, God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I want to believe you more. Raise the bar of my faith. God, I don't know how to have more faith. Can you help me? In the same way that we would go to our parents when we're little, we might not communicate kindly. I want more water right now. But we ask. We ask for what we need. And God says, hey, if you don't have something, ask me. If you need wisdom and you can't figure it out and you don't even know what you need, just ask me. Because I want to add that to you. Seek me. Seek relationship with me. And I'm going to give you everything you need. Because church, I don't think we know what we need sometimes. <laughs> I'm actually willing to say I know without a doubt that we simply don't know what we need at, at different times. I know just walking with the Lord, I've wanted to maybe fix this area of my life, and I'm like, yeah, God, we're going to fix this. He's like, mm, not right this moment. <laughs> or he leads us in a different direction because we just don't know what, he ne what we need. But his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And uh, since he is with us, and available at any moment in conversation, uh, just just ask your dad for help, and he will totally help. Ephesians 6, uh, we're not going to go through it. I encourage you to read through the, the end of Ephesians 6. It, it reminds us of the war that we're in. 
that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with our spouse. We're also not wrestling with ourselves. We're fighting against the powers of darkness, and it really equips us with a lot of ways that we can fight with the, the shield that he gives us that can totally eradicate every single firing dart that the enemy throws at us. Uh, he gives us the sword of the spirit, which is like the word of God. Read through it. It's so awesome. If you've read through it a hundred times, actually I hear the hundred and first time is the best. So read it again because it's just so good. We have to remember to not fight alone. God and his word, uh, we kind of already talked about it. We have to be in community. He's, he's put the body together so perfectly, and uh, we just can't fight this, this war alone. He gives us uh, a vital verse, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't think we know how to be vulnerable. I don't think we know how to confess our sins. It's uncomfortable. It might ruin our reputation. It might make us feel, oh, I just don't want them to know that about me. Oh, quite a few years ago, I think about six years ago, I'd been coming to Restoration Church for uh, a short time and maybe even it was longer, time perception is awful. <laughs> but I was struggling with a sin issue. I was actually completely addicted to porn. God had set me free from drug addiction and from other wild living. But this addiction, it, it wouldn't go away. It, it just wouldn't. And uh, God gave me a friendship that I, I, I confessed everything. I told her. I told her how I didn't want to do it anymore and I couldn't stop. Uh, she, she prayed for me. She gave me scripture. She reminded me that Jesus is the healer and that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The verse that she most encouraged me with uh, is found in 1 John, uh, John 2.1. And it says, hey, I'm writing this to you so you don't sin. And I'm like, whoa, this is an encouragement. <laughs> But if we keep reading, it says, but if you do sin, there is an advocate that is standing at the right hand of the Father right now advocating for you. And in that moment, just seeing pictures, picture words, so cool. Here's God, almighty God, creator of the universe. And there's Jesus advocating for me. Hey, my sacrifice, it was for that. I died for that. And just knowing that Jesus is interceding for us in those moments of struggle, what I would like to tell you, as soon as she shared that scripture with me, I was set free completely. But that was not my experience. For years, I struggled with this. I told my, my other friends, because I was like, you know, who cares about my reputation? Who cares about what people think about me? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And church, I believe we keep a lot of things in the dark because we're embarrassed. We feel shame. We don't want anybody to know. But God already knows. And if God is our judge and he already totally knows, who cares? What's really the worst thing that can happen? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we have to believe that. We have to walk on in that. Do we want to have good reputations amongst men? 
Or do we want to be just like Jesus, a man of no reputation that only cared what the Father thought? Some of us, we don't really know where we're at in that, or it's hard for us to understand what it looks like to only care what God thinks. Because for years we've lived the same way. Ask God for help. I wish I had so much wisdom and the perfect verse. But this is something that only God can help. And if we're worried about our reputation or what man thinks of us, perhaps we need to go back. Maybe we don't believe our Id- who we are in Christ. Because if we're totally covered by the blood of Jesus, there is no condemnation and no shame at all. We are totally free. So I can sit here today and say on a camera, I have no idea who's going to be listening, that yes, I was totally addicted to drugs. Yes, I was completely addicted to porn, even as a believer. And Jesus has set me free because it's all about the testimony for Christ Jesus. And when we keep that in the dark, God is not glorified. God doesn't get the glory and honor that he, he so, so amazingly deserves. So what about before we find freedom? We have to fight. Don't fight alone. Find somebody to fight with. Confess your faults to one another. Talk to God about it. He already knows it. He's already sent Jesus to forgive us. But as we talk that out, that's when we start to find total freedom and total healing. God is redefining us, you guys. He is. We can't redefine ourselves. We can't figure it out. We can't, we can't w- even want to be redefined. That's something that only God can do. Remember that God is fighting for us. There's so many scriptures. I actually have so many scriptures that never even made it to the screen. That Holy Spirit just dropped on my heart today. So if you want some scriptures that are all about how God is fighting for you and with you, please ask me because I would just love to share them with you because he is fighting for us, guys. He's gone before us fighting our battles. So as we learn to fight humanly, we think we're going to go fight and be strong. But what it means to fight is say, God, (laughs) I believe that you're fighting for me. Help me surrender to you. Help me to not worry about my reputation. Help me not to care about what I want to do in my own life. But help me more care about your plans. Give me your thoughts. Renew my mind. His final quote, Arden always finishes his chapter uh, with a quote. and, And this week he writes, We are a fighting generation, not an addicted generation. Nothing controls us. No one owns us. We serve God alone, and in him we find freedom. So true. So as we close out today, I'm just going to take a couple of moments to pray for us. If we are dealing with addiction, God has healing. Maybe even while we were talking about things this morning, God brought to mind something that you need to confess to somebody else. If you don't have anybody 
that you're in relationship that you can confess to them, find somebody. We're so worried. I can tell you myself, major trust issues, major trust issues before I found relationship with God. I was hurt and just a lot of yucky stuff from human beings. But when we walk into the kingdom in the same way that we can't be a a man that is worried about a reputation, we can't worry about what somebody is going to think when we share. God has somebody for you to share that is safe, so ask him. Ask him to lead you to that right person if you don't already have somebody that comes to mind right away. Because we have to learn to be a more, more vulnerable people. We have to learn to lay down our lives in such a way that Jesus can shine through. So uh, let's just finish out today and pray. Father God, we just, we just trust you. We just totally trust you. God, we believe. Would you help us in our unbelief? God, I just pray for each of us that are right now struggling with an addiction to whatever it is. I just pray for freedom right now. Freedom from addiction. I pray, God, right now that you would move upon the hearts of your people to set them completely free. If they've felt neglected by a human or by man, I pray today that they would uh, just find their worth so fully in you because you will never neglect us, God. If they're feeling fearful or pressured by this world, I pray that you would break that off right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your perfect sacrifice. You really paid it all. You've called us to not be a people that walk in condemnation or shame, but to walk in freedom. So I pray for everybody right now who has been struggling, just feeling condemned or oppressed or held down because of even choices they, they are making. Would you just break that off, God? We agree with your word, and your word says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I pray, God, would you renew our minds, break off that shame, eradicate it. I pray for breakthrough this morning. God, I pray right now that testimonies would pop up all across your church, people being set free totally free, totally free, never to look back, to not have one remnant of what was or, or what might have been, but totally brand new creations, that we would walk knowing who we are, that we are loved by the creator of the universe, that we are loved by a God that breathes out the stars, that keeps the planets moving in a circle, that does all these crazy, cool, amazing things. God, you're so amazing, and you love us. You love us so perfectly. You sent Jesus so that we could be in right relationship with you. I pray, God, would you show us over this next week what that looks like? Would you help us to talk to you throughout the week? Not like you're some faraway God that we talk to on Sundays or when we're in a time of trouble, but that we would just talk to you in the morning. Hey, God, what do you want us to wear today? 
hey God, thanks for who you are. Thanks for, thanks for making my, my toast not burn again today. You're so awesome. Thanks for helping me remember that one thing at the grocery store. Thanks, God. I pray that we would just begin to have such a precious relationship, such a personal relationship with you, that we would commune with you in the hard times, in the good times, in the mundane times, that we would be connected with you in every single moment. Thank you, God, for never leaving us. Thank you, God, for the power in the name of Jesus. I just declare the blood of Jesus over everybody right now. Everything that needs healing, the blood of Jesus will take care of. God, pour out your grace to help us receive your goodness. Thank you for making a way in the wilderness for us. Thank you for encouraging us. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that it's never in our own strength. Our flesh and our heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of our heart and our portion forevermore. We love you, God. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christina. What a great word. Um, how encouraging that was. Um, I'm going to encourage you sometime today, go back over those scriptures um, and remind yourself what it is or who it is. God says that you are. One of my favorite scriptures comes from the book of Proverbs. It says the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I mean, think about that. The godly trip seven times. The wicked only tripped once. It's just whether you get back up and remember who he says you are and keep walking in that. And so just don't quit. What a great, great word. I loved it, and uh, I hope it ministered to you today. If you're a guest in the room, we want to remind you to stop by the table. Out in the lobby, we've got a gift for you, and we want to make sure that you take one of those with you. Uh, there's information uh, about our church back at that table. We encourage you to stop by there, pick that up. Uh, there are calendars out there. There are books if you want a copy of Redefine. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we love these moments when we can get together. We're sad that they only happen once a week right now, um, but uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Our hosts are going to dismiss row by row. And as always, we just ask that if you can't social distance, please choose to wear a mask. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.